Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life changing message. I want to formally introduce the, my brother who's been here. It's just funny. I was just watching and seeing. I remember when I used to work for him at Best Buy. And uh, you'll hear about his story today, and we would talk about it. And I would say, man, God, God, people need to hear your story. He's like, I'll never, I'll never preach from a pulpit. He's like, I don't, church is a bunch of crap. I'll never do that. Bunch of fake people. I'm like, yeah, but like, we can help change that. Like, what if there was a church where we can just be real with our scars out? <laughs> and we could just say, Jesus, we're here for you. And so I'm watching him. The first time I met him, you wouldn't believe to hear him singing a song about Daddy God because he's your daddy. And so it's a blessing and an honor to have him here today to share freedom with you. Because the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is spirit of prophecy. It means what he did in one life, he'll do in another. And he'll do in another. And so today as he shares his story, I just encourage you to know that this freedom is available for you. This is, God's not exclusive. Are you alive? He's not exclusive. He's inclusive. <laughs> He wants, he wants to touch your heart today. He's already doing it. Some of you are already crying. You, you can feel it, that he's wanting to get deep in there. It's like heart surgery today. And so we say yes. Can I just pray over you? Father, right now, we just say yes. We say yes to heart transformation. And we say no to fakeness. I just, we just say no to that, man. We just, we're, we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to be real. We're going to be raw. And we're going to allow you in. No agenda. Listen, i got to hear you. As the pastor of this church, I don't want anything from you today. I want something for you. And so, God, we say yes to that. And we just open up our hearts today for whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't, you, why don't you give him a hand as he comes forward to share the word. You can turn up the lights. God is so good. If you've been through anything and he's got you through it, and everybody in here has been through something and he's got you through it or you wouldn't be sitting here, then you can agree with me that God is so good. He is awesome. I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony today with you. Um, like Gio said, that the, spirit of test or the, the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Now, you might not be going through addiction. Uh, I'm going to share about that. Um, but you're going through something. And if you can identify with any part of this, grab hold of that prophecy and pull it into your life. Because God wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you freedom in areas that you hadn't previously had it in. And he wants to do it so that you can go forth and take the kingdom or push back the kingdom of darkness and build the kingdom of heaven. Amen? We've got to get free to do that. Actually, you, you can sit down. I'll, I'll talk for a little. I asked him to stay. Gio's <laughs> like, why is he still up there? <laughs> Get off the stage. <laughs> I'm going to be real with you guys. Like Gio was talking about, I really think that it's time that the church is authentic. You know, it's time that we stand up in front of people and say, hey, you know what? I got problems. I, I, I'm going through something. Jesus is helping me through it, and this is how I'm finding my way through it. Because when we stand up and we say, oh, I got it all together, and we put on our masks like we've been taught to do our whole lives in church, 
the world can't relate to that. They can't relate to somebody who's fake and phony. But when you stand up and you say, man, I got problems, they can identify with that. And then you say, this is how I'm working through them. There's something appealing to them. They're like, man, that's real. That's something honest. That's genuine. And that's how we're going to grow the church. God is calling a generation to stand up and push back the kingdom of darkness and to change this world. You know, we're in the end days. I really believe that. And he's raising up a generation that is going to be bold and fearless and, and not wear the facade anymore. It's like, this is who I am. Look, look, look I got scars, people. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I share my testimony, I show people the scars from shooting up. Uh, I don't know how much of an introduction they gave me ahead of time as far as they told my story. It's a secret, right? So uh, I went through 17 years of drug use, starting with marijuana at about 12 years old. But I didn't get into like really heavy drug addiction until about uh, 2008. From about 2008 till 2012 uh, is when I went into opiates and just totally uh, wrecked my life. I'm going to share a little bit about that and how God took me through that journey and how he got me to where I am today and how he like broke off lies. And I'm also going to share a little bit about like how I actually went into that addiction. Because I think that's what a lot of us in the church can identify with more. Because you might not have went into addiction, but you might be struggling with the same lies that I was struggling with prior to the addiction, through the addiction, even after the addiction, until God really began to break those off of my life and pull those strongholds off. Yeah. Some of those lies look like I'm not good enough. I'll never add up. I'll never be able to hit the mark or live perfect enough. Do you know what? God uses people who aren't perfect. You know why? That's all he's got. <laughs> so if anybody in here has told you they're perfect... That's a lie. You can call them, say, bro, you're lying. That's a lie. I don't believe you. All right? Amen? All right, so we're going to look at some scriptures this morning. Because the other part of the message that I have for you guys is I was praying. I just felt like this church and this body of people have been getting words in their life. And it's not just like something recent, but they've had words spoken over their lives from the time they were young. Some of you have had words spoken over your lives, and, and, and God has been calling you to do something great, but that word has been challenged by life. What I mean by that? You get a word like I did when I was a kid, you're going to have a ministry, and you're going to do all these things. You know, at 10 years old, I'm like, oh, amen, that's great. I'm going to be a great minister of God. 12 years old, things started happening in my life, and I'm like, where's God? And life started hitting me in the mouth and challenging that word. And I never completely forgot that word, but I kind of doubted it. So I think God wants to speak to some of that in your life. So like you have words spoken over you and it's been challenged. God wants to break off the lies. And he wants you to get back into the word and attach that to your life and pull on those promises. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Philippians 1 verse 6. Say amen when you get there. Amen or oh me. I don't have my Bible. Does everybody have a Bible? Destiny, what does it used to say? This is my word. What did you say? You said something about the Bible. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, <laughs> something. I don't know. Are we there? Amen? Amen? You guys can talk to me. If you don't, I get freaked out and think you're thinking weird things. So, uh, and I like to laugh and talk a little bit because I was just crying, and that's also awkward. All right. One verse six says, and I am certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until, the, until it is finally finished when Jesus Christ returns. Some of us, God started a work in us at a very young age, and he put something in our heart, a desire, like he did me, to go and do more. 
and that work got started, but then, like I said, life come along, started having things happen. For me, uh, I got really church hurt. People in the church really disappointed me, people not living up to the standards they were trying to hold me to. So I thought, man, one, I can never live up to what they expect me to live up to, and two, they don't even do it, so they're all full of crap, and I don't want nothing to do with it. Is it okay to say crap in the church? Amen. Gio said it was, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> Pastor Gio, amen. He's going to get emails afterwards. Why did you let him up there? <laughs> Isaiah 55, 11. Let's go there. I love sharing my testimony. It is challenging uh, because I have to go back. First off, it's a big story. I have to try and identify what parts of the story are going to be most relevant for the crowd I'm speaking to today. That's one. But the other part that's challenging is I have to turn around and look at stuff that I don't necessarily want to look at. You know, I wish that I could just kind of tuck it all away and pretend it wasn't there and move on with my life. But the fact that it is there and I identify with it uh, helps me to not go back to it. But it also, if I was to not focus on it, God wouldn't get any glory out of that. So one of the lies is like, you know, I don't want to glorify the enemy by telling too much of, of my story. But at the same time, I don't want to rob God of his glory because if you, if you can understand exactly how hopeless I had gotten, then you can understand how big of a breakthrough I got in my life through Jesus. Does that make sense? All right, so Isaiah 55, 11, it says, It is the same with my word. I send it out, and always, it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper wherever I send it. And then finally, we're going to go over to Mark chapter 4. Verse 35, starting in verse 35. Amen. When you get there, you guys are quiet. That's why Gio shouts at you all the time. All right, so we're all there. That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him just as he was in the boat. And there was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and waves broke over into the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, do you even care if we drown? I'm going to just stop right there. This, this is where I was in my life. And this is where I think a lot of us are. I had a word from God said I was going to do something amazing. Like here in the beginning of this scripture, he says, let us go over to the other side to his disciples. So my word was, you're going to be a minister, you're going to stand up on stage, and you're going to share the love of God with people. At a young age, people started telling me this. Um, then life happened. What happened? A storm blew up in my life. Storms blow up. My storm was drug addiction. Uh, and it actually started a little bit earlier than that in the church. Um, got really church hurt. I want to go there. <laughs> So I was part of a boys club um, whenever I was young. I forget what they called it in the Church of God back then. But I stayed at a, over at some older teenagers' house and was molested by people in the church. This rocked my world, like totally challenged the way I saw God, totally challenged the way I saw myself, changed the way I treated everybody. Uh, because of that one incident, it would later on lead to me getting in like hundreds of fights just to prove my manhood. Uh, Lots of infidelity, lots of promiscuity, all because I was trying to prove something that had been challenged in my life through identity. 
you know, and I had this shame and this guilt that I carried around because of something that happened to me as a little boy by people who were way more strong than me and older, um, but I held myself accountable, you know, so that hit me in the mouth. Life started happening, people in the church didn't add up, and so, you know, I started to question, like, God, do you even care about me? Are you really there? If you're really, if there's a loving God out there, how could he let this happen to me, right? You ever feel that way? Come on, let's be real. Like, if somebody dies of cancer, that's not cool. It sucks. Like, where is God? God is there walking you through that. Later on, I went through a process called inner healing, and, and Jesus took me back through a, a vision and showed me, like, he was the person there with me, helping me through that situation. He was the one there stopping bullets from hitting me when people were shooting at me growing up. Later on in life, in 2008, I got into a bad car accident, hurt my back, Got some pain pills. Wasn't very long after taking pain pills, I became physically addicted to it. Um, ran out of medicine one, one, one month. Was kind of in between paychecks and thought, oh, I can make it another week. My body started getting sick and I got dope sick. That started me selling pain pills to, to, to sustain my habit. Eventually that led to shooting up about 30 to 70 oxycodones at a time. Not at a time, in a day's period, uh, 30 milligrams. So if, if there's anybody in the medical field here, you'll know that that's absolutely insane. I shouldn't be alive. So I'd crush up like 10 of them at a time, put them in a needle, and shoot up. And because I had tried to quit so many times on my own and couldn't do it, I felt completely hopeless. I felt like God wasn't there, and I'd cry out to God, like, where are you? Like, inside I'm crying, God, deliver me of this. But at the same time, there's this other war going on, like I don't even believe in God, and I'm angry at him because of all this other junk that's happened to me. And then also there was this other part of me that just felt like, you know, I'm not good enough. There's never, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm a junkie. I've crossed too many lines. I'm never going to make it back. And so my family used to call me up, and they would begin to speak to me, and they were all always believing, always praying, always speaking life. Church, let me encourage you today. If you've got someone in your, love, in your life that's going through a situation like this, speak life over them. Yes. Your words have power. Yes. Amen? Speak, whatever your situation is, your personal situation, it may look like it's dead, but speak life over it. And they would begin to call me a man of God. And my dad, specifically, every time I'd pick up the phone, he'd say, hey, man of God, how you doing? I'd get so mad at him. Not, not really mad at him, but frustrated with the situation. I was frustrated because something inside of my heart wanted to be a man of God, but I couldn't connect those dots. I couldn't reconcile that in my mind. I was like, I can't see it. Do you know what I just did? I was just shooting up. How can you call me a man of God? That's never going to happen. And my mom and my sisters would pray for me and my wife, and I would say to them, i say, you guys need to give up. I'm never going to quit. This is going to end in death or prison because that's what happens to junkies. Opiate addicts don't quit. They die. And I really believed that. I was like, there's no way out because I tried so many times. So 2011, my daughter was born. And because of like, just continuing to spiral further and further out of control and feeling more and more hopeless, you know, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? This little girl who I loved right from the minute I saw her, she'd be better off without me because all I'm going to do is destroy her life the way I'm living. And I can't quit, so I'm going to end it. And so the way that I planned on ending it was I would shoot dope until I'd fall over dead in the floor, OD'd completely for hours, like come to with my legs numb and blue, you know, hours later, and God wouldn't let me die. Why wouldn't he let me die? Still had a purpose for my life. There's people in this room right now that you should have been dead a long time ago. 
God didn't let you die because he's still got a purpose for you. Every person in this room, if you're part of this body, I know that you have an amazing calling on your life. This is a special group of people. Like, you know, he doesn't just send me anywhere because there's not that many places I could go at one time. He sends me specifically. <laughs> he sends me specifically to places that he's trying to do something. Does that make sense? Even if my words got a little confused. Amen. All right. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void. What word? You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. I don't know what it looks like in your life right now, but God sent me by to tell you there's hope. Yeah. And not only that, he sent me by to tell you he loves you. Yeah. There's two things that I carry with me. It is love and hope. In the 60s and the 70s, we had this big movement called the Jesus Movement. Now, I'm not old enough to remember that. Some of you probably are. Maybe, I'm guessing. <laughs> right after that, I did read about it though in history, that's how I know. Uh, right after that, from uh, that period on till recently, we had this big revival movement. Like we had the Brownsville revival, we had the Toronto revival, and it was all about the Holy Spirit, right? But God is moving us into a new phase, and I believe it's the Father's love. This movement is the Father's love, it's the Father's heart. He wants to restore the family, right? He wants to restore the family in here. I heard you guys talking about this is a family, so I'm talking to you like family today. You know, uh, my message is a little different because I just want to—I just want to get down on your level and have you get on mine. And plus, this—this this is like I'm limited by my own skills, so this is where we're at. So <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> so we're just going to get down on that level and be family. God wants to restore the family. I've never seen such a big attack on family as it is right now on social media and media and, and, and all the stuff going on in our nation. Why? Because God, the, the enemy is trying to destroy the household. He's trying to destroy the, the family and the father's image, especially the father's image is under attack right now. But God is doing something different, and that is the father's love movement. Amen? But what's, what's our favorite prayer? Most of us is our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So what's the model? Heaven. Heaven's the model, right? We want his will to be done. What's in heaven? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is that? That's a family. That's right. God wants to restore the family. That's what the church is supposed to be about. That's why I'm saying be real, be authentic. Like people, families can be real with each other. Me and Destiny, we real. Sometimes too real. <laughs> We've been real, and, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me if I hurt you. <laughs> God wants you to do the same, and he wants to break off the lies, and he wants to take you out of that. So in 2011, I was trying to kill myself. 2010, I got, uh, I got arrested for driving on a suspended license. On August the 29th, I got out on September the 14th. The same day I was released from jail, there was a warrant that went out by the U.S. Marshals uh, to come and get me because some of the guys that I was running with had wore a wire and uh, told on me. This was God working in my life through the way of, of police. And, and at that time, when I found this out, I thought, man, this is hopeless. Like, thought I was hopeless before. Now I'm going to have a felony. Like, nobody's going to hire me. Nothing's going to work out in my life. It's even more hopeless. So I was arrested by the U.S. Marshals, um, facing a lengthy prison sentence. I went to, to court several times. God gave me grace through that period. Let me get out with a pretty light sentence at first. I did, I think, 90 days in jail. 90 days in jail, I had two and a half years of house arrest, followed by two and a half years of probation. So that 90 days, I got out, and um, because I never dealt with any of the issues that was actually driving me into addiction, 
wasn't very long after being out of jail that I was right back into it. You know, I was right back into the same things still because I was medicating the pain on the inside. So I got through the dope sickness, but I didn't get through the pain that was in my heart. Those lies, that guilt, that shame, that stuff that I was carrying around with me. Remember I was telling you I was molested as a kid? I didn't tell nobody that until I was 27. Never shared that with a soul. Why? Because of guilt and shame. Yeah. You, you probably hadn't been through something like that, or maybe some of you have. The enemy wants you to keep it a secret. Why? Because it has power when you keep it in the dark. Right. When you expose it, the Father's light shines on it, and then his, he can come in and begin to heal it. It takes away the power from it. But because I hadn't dealt with that, I ended up going back into that same situation and putting my family at risk. And it was during this time frame that I was like, okay, I'm hopeless. Because I'd already gotten clean in jail, and then I came back out, and that's when I started to try and kill myself. You know, through, through drug use, I thought, well, it'd just be easy to OD. I won't even feel no pain. I won't come back. And I remember waking up and like, feeling like disappointed because I was still alive. What was happening was prophecy was being fulfilled in my life. Right. Remember I was telling you, when my dad would call me, he'd say, hey, man, God, how you doing? And I'd get frustrated. He was calling out something in me that I couldn't see at that time. Right. He was speaking life over me. You know, no matter what the circumstance says, the squall may be blowing in your life. Storm may be coming. You don't have money to pay the bills. You don't have a job right now. How are you going to get to and from work because you don't have a car or whatever your situation is? That's the storm, but that's also the lie. What I love about this word, if you go back to Mark, it says Jesus was in the stern sleeping. The, the disciples remembered that Jesus was in the boat with them. So the word of God, that's Jesus, right? He was in the boat with them. The word he gave them was we're going to go across to the other side. So that's the prophecy. But the word was also with them. It was carrying on the vessel with them. You guys have the word of God in you right now. You are the vessel. Your body is the vessel, right? And the word of God is in your heart. Because it's been spoken in you. Remember that it's in you. So when the squall blows up, go and wake up. Jesus, say, wake up. I think that was wise, right? Yeah. To remember that Jesus is with them. Now, he kind of gives them a little smack on the wrist. Like, hey, you little faith. you know? How could, but at least they woke him up. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't believe I told you. Why? Why was he saying that? Because he already told us that his word doesn't return to him void. Whatever your situation is, speak life over it. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Say amen when you get there. Not all my notes came through, so I'm going to look it up myself. It's behind me. Good. All right. We're going to read together, everybody. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to the valley filled with bones. And he led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. They were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? And Ezekiel replied, O sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. That's, that's, that's how my life looked. And that might be how some of your lives look right now. You're sitting, and it looks like a valley of dry bones. If you'd have seen me in the heart of my addiction, I'm 190 pounds right now. I was 140. Eyes sunken in. I looked like death. I had black marks from so many needle shots all up and down my arm. I looked like, you know, I was walking around dead. And to those on the outside, like my mother, my father, Destiny, T Tiffany, Julie, uh, you know, a lot of the guys in this room, Covington was there. Gia was there. Gio helped move me from, uh, where was that, Port, 
Palm Coast back to Jacksonville. That's a funny story. Can I do a sidebar? <laughs> All right, this is not part of the message. Gio comes, uh, my, my, my good friend Jeff came down to help me move, and he brought this guy, Gio, who was part of Master's Commission at the time, which uh, Jeff was leading. Because I was at that point, I was like, all right, so I can't get clean on my own. I'm in Palm Coast. I called my mom. I'm like, I'm coming back to Jacksonville, so I'm going to get around some good people so I can get clean. Uh, This, of course, didn't happen. But Gio shows up at my house, and he's helping me move. And I hadn't been up there around my family in a long time because guilt and shame kept me away from my family. And I'd heard that Destiny was dating some guy up there. And so I began asking Gio. I'm like, hey, you're part of Master's Commission, right? And he's like, yeah. I was like, you know Destiny? And he's like, yeah. I was like, you know her boyfriend? He's like, yeah. I was like, is he a good guy? <laughs> the whole time it was him. I didn't know. <laughs> Back on track. <laughs> God's wanting to release joy in this house, right? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So, so something, something about re- uh, having a father's love on you is like there's joy that comes with it. It's not, a, it's not just a heaviness. There is a heaviness. There's something deep there. There is a a deep realization, but there's also joy. You know, I can smile today. If you'd have seen me in my addiction, I couldn't smile. I had the most mean mug all the time. Why? Because I was miserable on the inside. But God took that sorrow and he replaced it with joy. And God's wanting to trade your sorrows today for joy. All right? He came and he said, oh, Lord, you know. Where'd my scripture go? Keep them up there. Don't let them down. Oh, sovereign Lord, you know. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath in you and make you live again. And dad would call me and he'd say, hey, you're a man of God. Hey, man of God, how you doing? He was saying, live. He he actually said this, you will live and not die. Whatever situation you're going through, begin to speak life. You will live and not die. You know, I just feel right now, uh, let's do that. Can we do that? Can we just pause for a second? In the name of Jesus, we're going to pray real quick. In the name of Jesus, whatever situation, you guys can name it. You don't have to name it out loud. You can name it silently. Lord, I just speak life right now over every situation in this room, Lord. I just declare freedom in their lives, Lord. I declare victory right now over this whole church. Lord, I call home prodigal sons and daughters. We call in the people who used to come to this church. We call them back. In the name of Jesus, they will return and be healed. We, we call the family back together. In the name of Jesus, we say we'll live and not die, and it will stand and proclaim the words of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Come on. <laughs> All right, and so he he began to prophesy. He said, I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin, and I will put breath into you, and you will come to life, and then you will know that I am Lord. So so I'm going through this whole addiction. I'm I'm in 2012. I I got back into drugs, like I was telling you. I'd already went through my sentencing. I'm on house arrest, but I fell really far back into it. And, uh, like, I mean, really bad. This time, though, because of the house arrest, I can't just run around and sell drugs to support my habit. So, you know, what's happening at this point is I'm starting to sell stuff I own. Uh, and, and stealing and robbing. And um, constantly I was leaving the house. And my wife was worried for, for her safety and for the safety of our daughter. So eventually that led to her calling my probation officer who kept stopping by and kept missing me. I was able to sneak in the back. Like, she'd be around the front, and I'd sneak in the back and open the door of my boxers like I'd been there all along um, and, and pull it off. But eventually, Julie just had enough, and she called. 
And they came to my house and they, they, they said, listen, we got you on this, 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 and this. And you can either, well, actually they said they were going to violate me, but Julie had me talking to Dunklin, and I'd been talking to him to kind of uh, just appease her and get her off my back. I wasn't serious about going, but when they showed up with all the cops and they cuffed me, I was like, hey guys, I've been talking to this place called Dunklin. <laughs> and uh, they said that they'll take me, and if you'll send me there, I'll get help, and this, yeah, I won't be a problem for you anymore. And so the probation officer was like, okay, I believe you. Uh, I will let you go to Dunklin and take care of that. I think she did that just so that she would know where I was. I went to Dunklin. Uh, I was there for about a month, and then a month into the program, like, I was really angry that I got there. I was angry at Julie for doing this to me. Like, I blamed her like it was all her fault. Uh, still wasn't taking any responsibility for my own junk yet. Not completely. So, in one hand, I was angry at her. But on the other hand, God started doing something in my heart while I was at Dunklin. He started changing stuff. And I started seeing all these men in the program and these women and these families walking around. And they had stories like mine. And they were standing up there. Remember the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy? I seen something. I was like, man... God, if you can do that in them, can you do it in me? Can I really be free? And a little whisper said, yeah. Yeah, you can be free. About a month into the program, they came and got me. And God had already changed my heart quite a bit. They came and took me to jail. Now, I'd been to I'd already had another violation previous to this. The judge promised me, like, the next time you come before me, you're going to prison. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so I got to, to jail, and I'm, like, talking to my mom, and I'm talking to my wife, and I'm preparing. I'm like, guys, this is not good. I'm going away. I'm, you know, the attorney's telling me that this is not good. You're going away. And my mom... She's like, I can't hear that right now. You know, they, they had, in my wife, they had been filled with hope. Like, God, you took him here and you started this work. And they could see the change starting to happen, too. But then another storm blew in, right? And it looked like something else was going to happen. And so mom got alone and, and God took her to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You guys know it? Can you quote it? Let's hear it. Why did I have you quote that? Because it's, that's, that's, that's what God's telling you. I'm not telling you that. God's telling you that. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to give you a future. Now, we all know that, but God spoke to my mom, and he said, read a little further. And he said, I'll bring you back to the place that I'd taken you. And then he spoke to her in her spirit. He's like, I got this. I'm going to take him back. And, she, and he gave her a vision of the state attorney, the prosecutor, uh, my public defender, because I couldn't afford an attorney, and the judge having a sidebar conversation while I'm in there, and she said in the vision, she saw Jesus put his hand on my shoulder, and she could see the judge shaking his head no like this, just shaking his head no. And then when he came back to the stand, he said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but... And so she told me this on the phone, and I'm like, Mom, you're hallucinating. <laughs> you know, remember me, let's be real, okay? Uh, the reality is I'm going back to prison right now. There's no way out of it. And that's what the, the, the uh, public defender was telling me. I got in front of the judge and I'm cuffed there and I'm telling you, I've been to court a lot, but this particular time my heart was beating like you could, you could see my veins thumping in my neck. Literally, I could feel like and I just felt something 
you know what's interesting? My mom didn't tell me that vision, actually. No, she didn't tell me that till afterwards. She didn't tell me this part till afterwards. She told me the front part. But I felt something just say, I got this. And I felt a presence there. And immediately, my heart began to come down. I had a record like this, if you'd have seen it. And the judge comes back to the stand. And he's shaking his head. And he's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. But he said, if you go back to Dunklin, I'll, give you, I'll let you go back. I'm going to give you a prison sentence, but I'm going to suspend it. So he gave me a seven-year prison sentence, and he suspended it in lieu of me going back to Dunklin' completing the program. And God took me back to Dunklin'. What was that? That was the breath of God, like in the scripture here. So, so I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, I spoke. There was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves completely to skeletons. And then I watched muscles and flesh form over the bones, and the skin formed over the bodies, and they, were still, and they had no breath in them. And then he said, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, come breath from the four winds. God's wanting to breathe on us today. He's wanting to breathe life into your situation. I don't know what it is, but whatever your situation is, but God's wanting to breathe life into it and bring it back together. You know, some of us have given up on dreams. You may not be looking at a storm, but you may be looking at a dream, and you thought that was long ago dead and gone. God's wanting to bring, that, bring life back into that. You know, one of the greatest things I've gotten to do is see my parents never quit dreaming. Regardless of what age they're at, you know, they're the ones who just produced a movie called Hope Has a Name. Have you guys seen it? Absolutely amazing. And they've been all around the world together on like a shoestring budget. Why? Because God never let the dream die, or he revived it. You know what I'm saying? So if you have a dead dream, begin to prophesy. Spirit of God, breathe. And so God, God brought me to Dunklin, and he started working on things in my heart. Now, this is the other part of the message that I really feel like God sent me here for. Because I know that being in a church this nice, we all got it together, right? We see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. We don't struggle with identity. We don't struggle with knowing our purpose in life or feeling like we're good enough. Of course we do. I went back to Dunklin and I still had those lies in my life. You know, I still saw myself. I remember I was two months into the program and um, it's just after orientation. They sent, they set us all down, me and the guys in my class, and they passed a mirror around the room. And they asked each man to look in the mirror and to say what they saw when they looked in the mirror. And I remember when it came to my turn, I didn't even want to look in the mirror. Because when I looked in the mirror, I still saw a junkie. I still saw garbage. I didn't see God's masterpiece staring back at me. And isn't that us in the church? And we come to church and we, you know, we try to put on a show to, to, to everybody else like we're doing great. But on the inside, we're dying inside. And, and, and the enemy is telling you, don't tell nobody. Yeah. Don't let them know. Don't, you know, you Keep hiding it. Keep it under control. You can do this on your own. But Jesus is saying this is a family. You're a family. You're my masterpiece. And God began to work on that stuff. If you guys haven't done inner healing here yet, you're going to. And it's going to change lives. God is wanting to speak to the lies in your life and begin to break off strongholds. And he's wanting to do that today. You don't have to wait to go through inner healing. You don't have to wait to do a program or do this, do anything else. You can get into it today. Jesus wants to speak truth to those lies. 
If you're in here today, he has sent me in here specifically to share with you the love that he has for you and tell you how precious you are. So I began to go through the program and to go through the program with my wife. And because of the way it's designed, they have two programs. They've got family recovery and then they've got the men's program. Family recovery is for people who have wives and families. They get to come out on the weekends and go through it with you. And they put you up in this hotel as long as you're married. It is a Christian program. <laughs> and they, they let you spend time together and so my wife was coming out there and she was bringing my daughter and she was she would get ready and it was one Sunday morning I think it was about seven months into the program I was holding my daughter and I was playing with her in the mirror and God spoke to me and, and, and I realized as I was looking in the mirror I didn't see a junkie anymore yeah. I seen a father yeah. and then I seen a brother and I seen a son and I seen somebody who had hope in their eyes and a, and a value in life can I get some music up here? <laughs> Whew, this <is> a good <laughs> let's get some let's get some come to Jesus crying music on. God's wanting to trade your sorrows for joy. He's wanting to give you freedom. He doesn't want you to walk around with your head down, full of shame, and feeling defeated because somebody told you you had to hit some mark that you didn't hit today. First of all, if you didn't hit the mark today, guess what? His mercies are new every morning. Absolutely new every morning. His grace is there to to help lift you back up to the standard. You know, one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to get us all wrapped up in shame so that we're... He takes us from, from being in God's will and doing something to being over here off track because we're worried about something we made a mistake on. But God's wanting to say, no, I'm going to restore the standard. I'm going to put you back. Right. My mercies are new every morning. I still love you. I'm still using you. You still have a purpose. And you still matter to other people. Like, your story still will impact them. Yeah. See, here's the thing I hate about religion. And specifically, one of the things that I, I, I struggle with telling my testimony for. Because in religion, we like to put a big pretty bow on it. We like to hear these nice stories about how God completed this testimony and boom, it's all done. Like that's it. They went through this big long addiction or whatever their struggle was. God put a bow on it, it's done. No more struggle. That's not true. I still struggle. What I struggle with today is different than what I used to struggle with. But I still struggle. You know? And I still have times where the enemy challenges me like you're not good enough. You're not hitting the mark, you know. You lost your temper or whatever, whatever your thing might be. We all have our little thing. Sometimes it's everything. Wrong way, wrong day is what my dad calls it. <laughs> God wants to restore you. God wants to talk to people's identity today. Now, if you're in here and you have a family member who is going through addiction or you're going through addiction and you need that broken off your life, God has given us amazing breakthrough in this area. But God wants to encounter us today in the altars, and he just wants to pour out his love. Do I have a prayer team? I was told I have a prayer team. First off, if you're on the prayer team, I just impart to you right now the love of the Father that I carry. And the burden for those who are hurting. And an anointing for breakthrough. 
as you begin to pray for people's strongholds will break. Lives will be changed. If you're in here today and you say to me, Brandon, I'm not going through addiction, but I struggle with seeing myself the way the Father sees me. Would you be bold enough to raise your hand? That should be everybody in the room. Because at one point or another, we all struggle with seeing ourselves the way God sees us. If we saw ourselves the way God sees us, we would be like superstars all the time. If you're in here and you've got a family member who's struggling with addiction, and you want to get prayer for them, will you lift your hand so I know how to pray? is hope <laughs> there is hope don't give up God wants to meet you today in the altar so I don't want to I don't want to delay this anymore if you're in here and you have addiction and you want to get with me privately I'll pray with you one-on-one -on -one. if you have a family member and you want me specifically to pray with you I'll pray with you if you're a spouse or a family member I specifically request that you get with my wife <laughs> Or any of these guys on the team uh, that we just that we prayed for and, and uh, imparted to, God's wanting to meet us and He's wanting to change things. And the whole purpose of this, just so you know, is so that you can go out into the world and change other people's lives. He's going to give you freedom today, but it's not just so you can have freedom to hold on to it. It's so that you can go out and give other people freedom, and so that you can go out and share the heart of the Father with others. Amen.